One of the things I like to ask people is, um, how many years have we been studying the Word, obeying the Word, declaring the Word, professing the Word, and we believe it with our whole heart, but yet we're not living in the manifestation of righteousness, peace, and joy. We're not having an abundant life. So if we keep doing the same thing for another 40 years and expecting different results because God's going to hear us for our many words, we've actually are lunatics. That's called insanity, really. It's a de- one of the definitions of insanity. So either we have missed the mark or God is dead. And I don't believe God's dead. You don't either. So we've missed the mark. So we have to go back and say, Father, what is this? And in my studies, oh, for 30 years, I started studying this when I was 19. I'm now 50. So in my 30 years of studies, what I've discovered is we have been seeking the kingdom of God and trying to become one with God and trying to be what God wants us to be outside of ourselves by what we do, including we try to put things in us like knowledge and understanding in, the, in our brain through our studies and through course after course and I go to this school and that school and this study and whatever and I'm going to put that information in me and that outside information coming into me is going to change my life. Well, Jesus said that is whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. And he, he says that basically you need to go on the inside where the kingdom of is, where the kingdom of God is. Seek first the kingdom, and how much will be added? All. So how do we seek the kingdom? Well, I used to think seeking the kingdom was through prayer. That was the only one, really, that I had accurate. Prayer, reading my Bible, um, praise and worship, giving tithes, going to church, going to Sunday school, um, giving offerings, doing good deeds, becoming a moral person, abandoning those things which were evil in my life, anything that, was, uh, that I felt convicted of, getting rid of those things, and getting my life in order, basically, biblically, was how I sought the kingdom of God. And every person that I ask, and I asked over 400 people last year, and they all answered the very same thing, that that's how they sought the kingdom of God. And God told me, he said, Angela, that's outside stuff. You need to go on the inside. Well, how do you seek the inside? What's inside? You know what I found was inside? My mind, my thoughts, my will, which is desire, and my emotions. Those are the things that are on the inside of me. Well, I've been taught by man that those are my carnal nature. Well, guess what? God has a mind. God has emotions. And God has desire. So is God carnal? No. No, he's not. So where did we buy this? Where in the world did we get that and take it hook, line, and sinker and just assume that it's accurate? Now, there are two types of atoms described in the Bible. There's a first atom and a second atom. There's not a third atom. There's only two atoms described. The first atom, the Bible says, became a living soul. Did it say the first atom was given a soul to put inside his spirit to live inside the body? No, it didn't say that, but we've been taught that, haven't we? Mm-hmm. We've been taught, I am a spirit, I live in a body, and I have a soul. According to Genesis, that is not accurate. So we've missed the mark somewhere on the soulish area. I don't propose to have the whole understanding, but what I do have, I'm a gift. 
what God showed me in scripture, plain as day, and you can read it yourself, is I became a living soul. I became a living soul. So I looked that up, began to study that. What does that mean? It means I became the kind of spirit that is a carnivore, that eats. I am a receiving spirit is what it's saying. That's my phone behind you. I'm sorry. So I'm a receiving spirit. I am the spirit that receives. Well, that makes sense. Physically, spiritually, and biblically. So let me explain it to you. God created Adam or formed Adam. I don't remember the exact word. One means squeezed out and the other one means fed. Um, I'd have to look up the word. But basically, when God made Adam, he breathed the breath of life into him. Now, when you look at that word, breathe the breath of life, it means he gave life, gave his own spirit, gave him own, his own self into Adam, and he mixed his own spirit with Adam's body, and Adam's body and spirit of God, when, they, when those two came together, it, it created, it, it made, it formed a living soul. He became a living soul, not he got so what he became was the receiver of the giver. And God himself, part of his name means the one who gives, the charitable one. Well, if you look up charity, it comes from the third letter of the Hebrew alphabet, gemel. It means love. It means love gay. The, le the letter gemel means the one who has all chases down the one who doesn't have all and gives himself to it. It's the third letter of the alphabet. And look, God is three in one. So A, the letter Aleph, is the beginning. In the beginning, God created. And actually, when it says God created, it literally, the, the Hebrew word there means God formed duality. And in duality, it, man saw that God was good. In duality. So what is duality? Duality is, is the two. And the two shall become one. Male and female. Seen, unseen. Light, dark. Heaven, earth. Inside, outside. East, west. North, south. Any opposite. Any polar opposite. Is exactly how we see. Think about it. Without darkness, it's not possible for you to see, is it? Uh, I heard that on your podcast. Yeah. That's so true. Isn't it? It's, I didn't get that. I did not learn that. You know where it came from? I am God just speaking to me like a conversation, not out loud, but inside me somewhere. I don't know how to explain it, but he talks to me in conversation. And I said, oh, no, God, without light, you can't see. And he rebuked me and he said, Angela, if you go to the doctor and a doctor puts two lights in your eyes in both one, you know, how to shine those little lights, what can you see? And I said, nothing. He said, exactly. You must have a measure of darkness to see. Don't you know that I, the Lord God, form the dark, I create the darkness. I form light and I create darkness, Isaiah 45. So I went and looked that up. I form light means I squeeze it out. Guess where we get oil to put in a lamp? It must be pressed. It, it's anything pressed, like cold pressed from a lemon rind or a citrus rind or anything that pressed from a seed. It's a pressed oil, squeezed out. Guess what your eyeballs do when there's too much light? Squeeze, out squeeze it out. See, I squeezed out the light. And then it says, and I created darkness. That means I fed 
you darkness. Now, wait a minute. Why would God feed mankind darkness? Because mankind doesn't perceive what darkness is no more than a child does when he's scared of the dark. Because we're still scared of it. We, haven't rec we have not comprehended what darkness is, and we attribute darkness to a creature or a creeping thing or a four-footed beast, like it says in Romans. Okay? Romans chapter 1. So when God squeezed out the light and he fed darkness, your eyeballs are part of the creation that declares that truth and helps you understand it. Everything is allegorical. Jesus did not speak unless he spoke in parables, right? Okay, so I'm speaking a parable, something you know that's earthly to teach you a heavenly thing that you cannot see. So your eyeball squeezes out the light. And the earth, everything automatically feeds it darkness. So how does my eyes get fed darkness? These blue jeans are blue. Or so they appear. They're really not blue. They're actually, this fabric will, uh, will absorb every other light ray except this shade of blue. And it bounces off of this fabric and it returns through the atmosphere in a form of a light wave. And my eyeball eats it. It's a carnivore. It receives. That's all receiver means. It, one that eats means one that receives. It's an eater. Right. So my eyes can also give away. What do they do? They give to myself understanding. They give to myself perception. And my expression in my eyes and the way my eyes are, that is part of my communication you are receiving from my eyes as I'm talking. Why? Because the eyes are the window to my soul. So you get to know me through my expression in my eyes. Right. So simultaneously, I am a receiver and I'm a, I'm a giver. But first, my first nature, my first form of nature that God created me is he created me as a receiver. That's how he created Adam, a living or an eating or a receiving soul. And the word soul and spirit are interchangeable if you really go look them up. The Bible says God has a soul. So if the soul is carnal, right, why does God have one? So you understand? We, we've, missed, we've missed the mark on that. And again, I don't propose to know the whole thing, but I can tell you what I do know. It's not what we've been taught. We don't have a soul. We are a living, eating consuming soul. That's, the, that's the, the, what we are. Now, Christ came, and the Bible says he's the second Adam, and he's the living soul. So why, is, why are they paralleled? Because they're polar opposites. It's like looking in the mirror. One's a giver, one's a receiver. And if you look at the mirror, it's both. It's receiving and giving, is it not? Yes. And, and Christ is giving and receiving, is he not? Yeah. yeah. Well, he gives himself, and we receive him, and then he receives us. So it's still that circle of communication, the circle of relationship of a giver and a receiver, a giver and a receiver. What good is one without the other? It's, it's, it can't manifest. It has to have each other. Well, look at an atom. An atom, if it doesn't have a positive and a negative and neutral, it can't manifest, can it? So what is the neutral part for inside the atom? It's for all things. The neutral can become all things. So if you have an oxygen and it comes into contact with hydrogen, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to, that other one's going to become a hydrogen. The neutral is going to become a hydrogen. Why? So they can have the same atomic weight. So you have H2 and an O1, right? Mm -hmm. Why does it do that? Because they, they attracted each other 
to each other to form a unity or a bond, and that bond makes them a molecule of water, H2O. So the, the neutral can become all things. So on the outside of the atom is a spinning negatively charged ion. On the inside is a positively charged ion, and they're constantly free, uh, there's a frequency going on. There's a vibration, if you will, a heartbeat, if you will, of that atom. And then the, the, the neutral is the child. So what is the child? The child can become anything, right? A man and a woman comes together. Woman's the receiver. She's the without form and void. She's one that's got the, the, the holy place, the, the womb. So the man comes and gives her the seed. And when the two become one, all things are possible. It could be a male. It could be a female. It could be twins. It could be triplets. It could be quadruplets. Why? Because all things are possible in the neutral part. So what's the neutral part? It's where the two become one. It's, it's, it's the very thing that, it's the in-between part. The in-between. So what is the in-between part between me and my heavenly father? Jesus. He's the one that brought us together. Without Christ, I couldn't be reunited to my father, right? He's the neutral. He was the one that became all things unto all men. And what did Paul say? I become all things unto all men that they might know what? Christ and him crucified. So what happens inside of us, because we are this carnivore, we are a living soul, we're the one, we're in need, we're a receiver. We have been denying that part of us. We've been pushing that part of us down because we've been taught that our emotions are bad and we need to keep them under control. And if we don't control them and we don't control our mind and we don't control our desires, then we're, we're bad. And that if we could control all that, then it would work. Really? So how well is it working for everybody? See, that's a lie. It doesn't work. You, that which is mortal, which is my skin, cannot hold back immortality, which is my mind, will, and emotions. Those are immortal. How do I know? They go with me. They go with me. My mind, will, and emotions go with me. Father still has desire. He still has his mind, and he has emotion. As a matter of fact, he is emotion. All emotion, all of it, comes out of love. Every bit of it. Why? Because God is love, and he gave us emotions. And they manifest. How? Depending on how we see love. Now, what, how do you have self-control? I ask people quite a bit, can you be kind of your own decision? Can you choose to be kind to someone and be kind? And inevitably, everybody says yes. Yeah, I can be kind. And I'll say, okay, well, can you, um, can you be long-suffering? Well, yeah, I can be long-suffering. Uh, babe, will you get that phone and just uh, hand it to me so I can turn it off? So people are, are constantly telling me, yes, I can be kind. And so when they, when they tell me that, I then in turn will ask them, I'll say, um, well, then could you make me an apple? And they look at me with cross eyes. What do you mean? Well, you just told me that you could make kindness, gentleness, long-suffering. So I'm assuming if you could make fruits of the Spirit, which are heavenly and unseen, then you should be able to make for me temporary fruit, like an apple. And they go, oh, I get your point. See, we have a form of godliness, but we've denied the power thereof. And power comes when a positive and a negative unite. You can't have power without both. God is the giver. He's the positive. Man is the receiver. He's the negative. When the two become one, that's when we have power. Well, we have been... 
as a human being, we out of an act of obedience have tried to become all the things that Scripture is telling us about. We've tried to become kind. We've tried to become loving. We've tried to become all those things. Well, you can up until somebody messes with your child. Let somebody hurt your child and see how kind and long-suffering you are. And Mama Bear. Uh, and Papa Bear and all the other bears, right? So there is your proof that you really can't walk in what Christ walked in in and of your own flesh. As a matter of fact, Jesus said your very best is as filthy rags. Now, let's take the concept of knowledge and mysteries. The Bible says, uh, well, let's say what people say. People say if we could just get all the revelation then we could walk in it. We have to receive the revelation of God and then we'll walk in it. Well, the Bible says if you could reveal all mysteries, right? All mysteries, not some. All mysteries. And speak with tongues of angels. And you could do that and plus give everything, including your body, and let your body be burned, which would be the ultimate price. Mm -hmm. You could pay all the price. But if you don't have love, you're clinging brass. So what is the evidence that we have love? The evidence is no fear. When you have no fear, you actually have none. You have righteousness, peace, and joy, and your life becomes abundant. And even when you are abased, you're content. And if you're bounding, you're content, and there's no such thing as lack, and you know who you are. Your identity is in love. Your identity is no longer trying to get anything. How do I know that's true? Because the Bible says that Count it all joy when you go through trials and tribulations for these things are going to work out patience and it's going to perfect you. And when you're perfected, you're going to lack nothing. And nothing really does mean nothing. So if we're, if we're still in hope and we're hoping for something, what, are that, what is that hope evidence of? That hope is evidence that I'm in lack. Right? And a lot of us have had hope deferred and our hearts become sick. Oh, tell me about it. That's, that's you. It's the whole body of Christ. It's everywhere. And that's what um, is the message that I am, I am preaching. The message that I'm going across the United States. I just got invited to Scotland. Yeah, I knew I was going outside the country again. But um, as I travel across this world to give this message, I'm looking for other people who have already tried everything. They've tried everything else. They've done it all. They've gone to every form of healing. They've gone, they're the woman with the issue of blood. And they're, they're, they're still being poured forth and the blood just won't stop. I, I, I'm, I've, everything has leached off of me and I've yet to find what I have read about. If they're still looking, are they just, need, oh, well, I, I'm good. I just need a little bit of, uh, I just need a little bit of ministry. Then I'm not the one for you. I'm the one who is in need of a physician. If you're not in need of a physician and you've tried, haven't tried everything else, I actually tell people, don't call me. Why would I tell somebody that? Because I'm not going to be able to work with them. I've tried. I've tried and tried and tried to work with the ones who just have a little issue about something and I can't help them. I can't get to them because they think they have no problem. The Bible says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is inside your heart where all your emotions are. Where your abandonment, your rejection, all those things reside. Because inside there, in the kingdom where you live, you've embraced lies and you've held them to be true. And because you hold the lie 
in the place of truth, that's why you're messed up. That's why I'm messed up. That's what happens to us. So if somebody thinks they have the answers, they just have a little issue, then I'm not going to be able to persuade them that they need a physician. So, the, you know, the few times I've tried that, when that person leaves, I am war slap out. I need two days off to rest, to recover from wrestling with the one who doesn't know they're poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for those are the ones that's going to see God. I, I was picking at God one day. I said, God, next time, just send me a needle and a camel before you send me a guy like that. Because it would have been easier for me to pluck one hair at a time and stick it through that needle hole and one little piece of flesh at a time of that camel than to try and get somebody who thinks they have it all into the kingdom of God because it's not your nature to go into those painful places. It's not your nature to suffer. Our nature is like what Peter said when he went to Jesus and said, Oh, no, that will not be, I will not let you suffer. And he said, Get behind me, Satan, and watch. If you look that up in the scripture, he's basically telling Peter, Peter, get in a position behind where I'm at and you line up so you can observe and learn. That's what he was telling me. And if you look at in the beginning when Eve was deceived by the serpent, remember the Bible says in Romans, we've taken the glory of God and we've made it uh, uncommon or unholy or unrighteous and we in a lie, made it into a creeping thing and a creature. Okay, if you look up the Hebrew word serpent, it means hiss, the letter H-I-S-S. If you look up the letter S, it's the letter shin. It means a double-edged sword or it's two kinds of fires. It's basically the polar, the opposites of something. So we've taken the opposites. We've taken the past and the future and we've looked at our future through our past. Can you see the letter S when I do that? Okay, I have my hand formed in the letter C and my other hand formed in the letter C. I just put one above the other. And when I do that, I have the letter S. And when you put them together this way, they make a circle. When you, when you divide the circle and you lift one above it, what did Satan do? He lifted himself above God and wanted to be like God. What was Eve doing? I will be like my father if I could just know good from evil. She was already like God. She just didn't know it. So her eyes deceived her. And she, the word hiss means to give breath to your perception of your past experiences. Go study it out. You'll see what I'm talking about. To give breath to something is the letter H. As in the word of God, yod hey vav hey. So when you go, and you breathe that sound... And you add the letter S to it, it sounds like this. Yes. Right? So when you, when you give breath to your own perception of your past, looking at your past to determine your future, when you do that, that is the serpent. And if you look up the word serpent in Hebrew, you'll see I'm, I'm actually telling you, I didn't make this up. I discovered it in the Hebrew letters. And so Adam and Eve, their sin, they're missing the mark. What separated them from God was when they, they, they looked at their past. I mean, they, they looked at their future through their past and tried to determine what do I need to do? What is good and what is not bad? How can I be like my father? They lost their identity. And the reason they had lost their identity is because they were separated. They were, they were not mature yet. It wasn't good that man should be alone, the Bible says. Well, when you study what that means... 
It doesn't mean that Adam was actually alone. He Technically, he couldn't even be alone. Why? Because Eve was inside of him, right? She was already there. And he was with Mother God, Father God. How do I know that? Let us make man in our image, male and female, created he them. All those are plural. So you had at least four people and the son in the garden, which was five people. And inside Adam and Eve that hadn't manifested yet, you had their sons Cain and Abel and all the other children that would come forth. Why? Because the seed was already there. Just because I have a bunch of tomato seeds and I can't behold the tomato, that doesn't mean that the tomato doesn't exist. It just hasn't manifested in the existence yet. Just like Jesus was before the foundations were ever laid and he was crucified before time. So even though he had already been crucified before time because it was written, he still had to manifest, didn't he? Right? He manifested many years later. But just because he didn't manifest yet didn't mean it didn't happen. Am I making sense? Okay, so I'm speaking um, in, in... and mysteries, but you can hear me. Yeah. Now, if I told that to a four-year-old, they'd probably think I lost my mind. Yeah. But because we can understand calculus and algebra, you can understand time a little bit differently. So, how, do, how does that make sense for us right now and for you coming out of a place of hopelessness and into a place of righteousness, peace, and joy, and life abundant? How does that happen? Okay. We take the receiver part of you which people like to call soul. I'm going to call it a living soul. I mean, um, yeah, a living soul. A living soul means one who is in need. So would you agree that you've tried all these things? You're a man of God. You know the word. You preach the word. You, I mean, the word, you love the word of God. It's obvious on your post and stuff on Facebook. I don't know you, but I can tell by what I see that you search hard after God and you have a relationship with God. So that... If that's who you are and you're still hopeless, then you're in need. You, you're, something's lacking. Yes. So that means you have not been able to see in your trials and tribulations yet. That means you're blind. Because if you could see, you would see that you were lacking nothing and you would already have manifested patience through your trials and tribulations. Now, can we say you haven't had enough trials and tribulations? Uh, Thank you. Okay, so that can't be the problem then, can it? It has to be that we haven't understood and we haven't had our eyes opened. But Jesus said, they're not dead. You're dead in your trespasses and sin. They're sleeping and then he'd wake them up and prove it to them. Right? Over and over again. He told Mary and Martha, they said, oh, Jesus, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. Do you know what Jesus called Lazarus before he left? He called him sleeping. He told his disciples, I must go for Lazarus sleepeth. And they said, well, if he sleeps, won't he get better? And he's like, okay, for your sake, I'll use your language of the world. He's dead. Mm -hmm. He didn't use his own language. He did, but they couldn't hear him. So he spoke in their language. Because he, why? Different nation, different world, if you will. Okay. So he said, okay, for your sake, he's dead. So he goes and he tries to tell Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection right now. And like, oh, Jesus, we know. We know that in the last day you'll raise us all up. He's like, no, no, no. I'm trying to explain to you that I'm the resurrection right now. And you need resurrection right this minute. You could be resurrected right now. Another place in scripture, he said, "Um, there are those of you right here, right now, who will not taste death 
until I return. Didn't he say that? And some of them thought that he was saying John the Baptist, I mean not John the Baptist, John the Beloved wasn't going to die. That's what they thought. Well, all the disciples died. Mm -hmm. Right? They all died. Some was hung upside down. Some was bold. Bad, you know, terrible thing. But they eventually died. So what was Jesus talking about? He didn't lie. What it means is they didn't taste death. They didn't comprehend it. See, if I could, I could explain to you what a butter bean is. But if you've never eaten a butter bean, can you taste it? No. But once you taste the butter bean, now you understand what a butter bean is. Right. That's what he was saying. What you won't, some of you won't taste death until I return. So what you're gonna, what's going to happen to you when I work with you is you're going to taste your deadness. You're going to go, Angela, my heart's dead. I can't feel a thing. And I'm going to go, yep, that's the deadness that Jesus said some people would never, ever taste. But guess what? You can't taste it unless you're waking up. So that's good news. That the good news is I can wake you up and the deaf can hear, the blind can see, the lame can walk, the leopard will be cleansed, and the dead will be raised. All five of those things will actually occur in you. Jesus said, the works I do shall you do, and greater works shall you do. Right? So what are those? I mean, how can you do something greater than raising the dead? I can tell you. He said, don't look at what you can see, because what you can see is temporary, but what you can't see is eternal. Look at what you cannot see. So I can see your physical eyeballs, can I? Mm -hmm. I can see your physical ears. I can see a physical dead body. I can see physical leprosy. I can see physically if somebody's crippled. But can I see if they're spiritually crippled? Can I see if they're a spiritual leper? Can I see spiritual deadness, spiritual blindness, spiritual deafness? Jesus saw it. He said, is your heart still calloused, hard? Do you still not see me? Do you still not hear? Oh, Isaiah, you did prophesy well. Seeing they can't see and hearing they can't hear. He was talking to people that could see and hear naturally. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, when he told the Sadducees and Pharisees, they got angry and said, are you calling us blind? They got mad. Guess what? If you call somebody blind today, they will get mad at you. If you tell them they're deaf, they'll get mad at you. So I don't go around telling people they're blind and deaf. You know what I do? I ask questions. I just ask questions. What questions? The ones God gives me. Whatever question God gives me, I'll know if I'm able to reach them based on their answers. And if they're deaf and they can't hear me, then I'll just, the Lord hadn't given that one to me to open their eyes and ears yet. But if I can sense that they're beginning to hear me, I'm like, thank you, Father. Thank you. I can get in this kingdom. I can get in this person's heart. I can transform their life. What? With whatever word he gives me. I can open these eyes. I can open these ears. I can raise this dead man right in front of my eyes. Michael and I have been doing this. Um, this started uh, March 20th, 2015. I'd been, it's been happening to me for years, but I couldn't explain it. And I really couldn't duplicate it. Um, I could duplicate it spontaneously, but I had no direction. I didn't know what I was doing. God would just say something to me and I would do what he said and it would work, but I couldn't figure out how the heck it worked. It just looked like a miracle. And it was. But now I understand what I'm doing. I understand in the chemistry of the body, the frequency of the body, the way the mind works, the way the heart works. God has given me understanding that I didn't have years ago. 
And I asked him, I said, Lord, why didn't you give me this, you know, back in the 90s when I was, when you were showing me this stuff? He said, Angela, had I given you all that information back then, you would have relied on the knowledge and knowledge puffeth one up. You'd have just been walking in your knowledge and you'd have healed a few people. They'd have, they'd, they'd have manifested healing in their body because you would have known the science, no different than a medical doctor. And I'm grateful for medical doctors. Like I'm not against them in any way, shape or form. Love my doctor. But I would not have li- I would not have learned to hear God. And what happened in the early years when I started in this is God would say things to me like pill peaches. I'm like, pill peaches? I must be hungry. And that thought kept coming to me, pill peaches. And I was working with a woman that I couldn't get in her heart. I'm seeking her kingdom. I can't get the emotions to flow. And all I really know is if I don't get the emotions flowing, I can't see healing. But I didn't know why I needed the emotions. It didn't make sense to me. And at that time, really... I didn't even know to ask. I just knew that's what God showed me. It was in the heart. It was in the kingdom. And the emotions would manifest and people would get healed. Uh, People who couldn't have babies would all of a sudden get healed. People who had fibromyalgia would get healed. Tumors would go away. Cancer would disappear. All these miracles and stuff was happening, but I didn't have a clue why. Okay. But I, I was learning to hear God's voice. So I peeled a bowl of peaches for when I was working with this lady. I actually had another lady go do it for me. And I told the lady, I said, close your eyes. And she said, okay. I said, do you trust me? And she said, yeah. So um, the Lord said to me, go ahead and have her tell her story again. So the woman begins to tell her story. And her story is that her, she miscarries a, a son, but she forgot the story. She couldn't remember it. Now, just prior to this part where she forgets the story, um, and I'm freaking out, like, how could she forget? Because she actually brought her baby to the hospital in a Ziploc bag after she lost it and all of a sudden now her memories just shut down and she can't remember so my mind's going how could you forget your son in a ziploc bag like how is that possible right but just prior to that she had judged someone for forgetting her and she felt unforgiveness because how could you forget your own child so now she's forgetting her own child See, Matthew 7 is real. We have to become everything we judge or we can't lo- let go of somebody. We get stuck in a prison called unforgiveness and we don't know how to get out. So we've been told, well, just choose. Keep choosing it. Keep, just keep acting it until it manifests. Just keep pretending till it, till it gets there. Well, that don't really happen. So anyway, this woman is stuck now in unforgiveness and she's forgotten the story. So she's closing her eyes. She starts to tell the story, what little bit she remembers. And God says, wave the peaches under her nose. So I take the cloth off of the peaches. She doesn't know her eyes are closed. I wave the peaches under her nose. And all of a sudden, her memory floods her like an ocean crashing over her. She was in Winn-Dixie buying peaches. And her placenta broke and blood began to gush. And she lost her son in Winn-Dixie while buying peaches. Now I understand why God told me to have her peel peaches. I mean, have, have some, for me to peel peaches. But while I was ministering to this woman about the loss of her child, it didn't make any sense for God to just out of the blue say peel peaches. I thought I was hungry for peaches, but nothing else came to me. So I trusted it and, and it worked. I mean, God, God healed that woman. She forgave the person that forgot her. She forgave herself. Her whole life changed as a result of the emotional heightened state and all the stuff that happened in the limbic. But back in the day, I didn't comprehend that. So now I understand that what I do is I go into the memory using the five senses, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing. Sometimes I need one. Sometimes I need all five. It depends on the person. 
But God's the one that tells me which ones to resurrect. And as I resurrect the, the memory through the senses, your body will begin to flood emotion. Your hypothalamus will begin to pump like a little heart. And all the ligands that were present when your heart shut down as a little boy will begin to flood your bloodstream. Your heart rate will change. It's even happening now. Let that flow. Just let that flow. That's right. Let that flow. That's where your healing begins is inside the heart. It's all right. You can let it flow. You don't, you don't need to shut it down. You're doing well. You can let it flow. You can shut it down if you want to or you could heal.